You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to Proof Text. I'm Fred Long, and this is a podcast dedicated to looking deeply at scripture, thinking, thinking richly about theology. And I'm privileged to be producing this podcast via Glossa House and working with my friend, Michael Halcombe. Michael, how are you doing? I'm all right, Fred. Uh, just crawled out of bed here. It's early morning in Hawaii, so, uh, but glad to be doing this. My voice sounds a little like morning voice. Uh, that's why. Yeah. Well, we'll get you pumped up because we're looking at Galatians. <laughs> so if you, if, you, if you haven't been joining us and maybe joining for the first time, we're looking through the Greek text of Galatians. We're treating about two verses an episode now. And uh, we, uh, we begin by reading the Greek text, translating it, and then we talk about it. And so uh, just as a little bit of a context here, uh, Paul has been confronting Cephas. And we're in the middle of a, like a direct speech, uh, discourse, direct discourse that Paul is speaking to Peter. And uh, we, we pick up in the middle of that, but uh, Paul has just asked Cephas a very uh, poignant question in the face of everybody uh, mm. because they weren't, he saw that they weren't walking uh, straightly according to the truth of the gospel. And so Paul says, if you are a Jew, uh, if you being a Jew ethnically also do not live like a Jew, how is it that you're forcing the nations, the Gentiles, to live like a Jew, and so that's uh, or a Judean. So that's the question that was just posed, and so uh, we'll we'll come back and keep talking about this context as we unpack the Greek. Michael, would you uh, want to read it for us, verse fifteen, yeah. and maybe yeah. uh, maybe through uh, a little bit of sixteen, uh, Jesus Christu, and then we'll take a break after that. All right, sounds good. Yeah, so here's uh, Galatians 2.15 and uh, 16a. Yeah. So, Emis fusi yudeu, ke uk ex ethnon amartaliu. Idotes de oti u dike ute, anthropos ex ergon nomu, ean media pisteos Jesu Christu. All right, great. So, he's continuing on here. We by nature Judeans and not from the nation's sinners. And knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but only through the faithfulness or faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll get to the... uh, Pistis Christu debate, mm. uh, the faith of Jesus or faith of Jesus Christ, or is it the faithfulness of Jesus Christ? So faith in versus faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So yeah, we can see that in verse 16. But uh, 15, yeah, 15 is verbless. There's no verb there. We have to imply a verb, right. and it begins with the emis, which is a first-person personal pronoun, we. And that helps us to know what the 
verb would be, it'd be esmen, probably esmen, we are, fuse, by nature, Judeans, and are not from the sinner, uh, from the nation's sinners. Hmm. Yeah. When, uh, when a clause is verbless in Greek, do we just uh, assume that it is a to be verb? Yeah, most of the time, yeah, unless the context would dictate otherwise. Yeah, this is null copula, which is even more, you know, specific. So null copula happens a lot. Tell people what a null copula is. Well, the copula is the verb to be. That's called the copula verb. Uh, Means connecting, right? So, or defining, what is copula? I don't even know what copula means. I just use it a lot. But uh, that's what they use is copula. So this is a null copula. And uh, so that means there's null means it's absent. So yeah, the copula. Yeah. It's the, the, v, the to be verb. All right. So we don't have a to be verb here. And what is... What is Paul essentially saying? Do you take 15 then as a complete sentence, as a a null copula, uh, missing its verb? So we supply the verb and it becomes a complete sentence? Yeah, and actually a compound sentence. So compound would mean that there's two sentences. So there's two verbal assertions being made because you have the ked there in between. Mm -hmm. We are not Jews by nature and implied we are not sinners from the nations why not use the the preposition n n fusi sort of balance out the sentence n with the dative yeah just to be more explicit and balance yeah, so, out the sentence. i get that he doesn't have to but uh it's it's interesting that he doesn't i mean it would have balanced yeah, out the sentence nicely um, yeah i i don't know um x would be would suggest origin like or source i think um out of from out of we are not sinners from out of the nations mm. uh, sinners coming out of yeah uh from and we are not yeah, from the out nations. in contract contrast you know nfuc versus x ethnon uh again i get that the dative doesn't always require the preposition but mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't know. And Fusi. Yeah. Oh, I think because you have, um, uh, what is that use of the dative? I think it's a dative of, was it by nature? To do something by nature or to be something by nature? Is that a dative of, of manner? Dative of, um, what kind of dative would that be? Instrumental. Uh, dative, I don't know. I think. Yeah. I'd have to think about that. I know how to translate it. But I'm yeah. not, you know, logically, I'm trying to think what kind of, what is FUSI, what kind of dative uh, label do we, do people tend to give it? Here we need the, I don't have my Baylor handbooks to see what, uh, what someone would, I guess the Silva think right. did the, 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 that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know, by nature, we are not by nature. Yeah. Yeah. So what does he mean by this? Where we we by nature Judeans or Jews, uh, we are by nature Judeans or Jews. What does that mean? Just 
Well, I think it has its meaning explicitly stated in the next, the compounded next sentence, not from the nation sinners and not from the nation sinners. So to be a Judean means that uh, you're separated from the other nations. God has made the Judean nation a separate nation. He's called them out to be a separate people. And so part of the identity, a large part, really, of their identity is the separation. So what Paul expresses here in the second part of 15, and not from the nations as sinners, is, is huge. I mean, that's, that's the basic worldview is that the Judeans are, by definition, not from the nations. And particularly, they're not sinful. Yeah. They're not missing the mark. The sinner is someone who's missing the mark, someone who is who has is outside of God's will. And, you know, Judeans squarely, just by their ethnicity, they just have a, a feather in their cap that they can say, look, we are trying to be faithful uh, by virtue of our ethnicity. We have kind of a step up by nature because we are ethnically in line with God's purposes, like you know, so this is something that we can take some pride in, or at least that people do take pride in, probably yeah. even still today. Yeah. That yeah. that this ethnicity that may have a concomitant religious commit, you know, uh, allegiance or and devotion, you know, sets them apart and makes them Ooh. special. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that's interesting. I, as you're talking, um, I a thought came to mind and I've, I've heard people say things in recent years, like um, why do we Christians try to define ourselves by what we're against or who we're not? Mm -hmm. And then as you're talking, I'm thinking, but that's precisely what the Judeans were doing. And there is a sense in which Christians with Christianity, it's the same. We do. We do have a, at our, our starting point, a list of what we are against or what we're not. But likewise, we have a starting point of what we're for and uh, what we are. Yeah. We get a, we we get going in a, we, they uh, start pointing, they, them versus us. And um, yeah, we begin to like separate out. Yeah. So we're, so, so Paul is, he's going to be leading Peter in a, in a kind of logical statement here um what does he mean gentile sinners or gentile sinners of the nations what does he mean by this sinners from the nations. so the word amarta li li is um nominative so we are not sinners is the implied subject and verb we are not sinners and then from the nations does this um, mean I mean, is Paul saying we are not sinners or is what does it mean to say that the Judeans were not one sinners, but two not sinners yeah. from from yeah. the nations or sinners, Gentile sinners? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's possible. And I've been trying to remember what one of my students, how he read this. I think it was was it Ming. I got to give credit to Ming. I think it was him. It might have been someone else. Uh, so to take it this way and are sinners. <laughs> so we are by nature Jews and sinners, not from the nations. Mm. 
Now that has a different meaning that would suggest, look, we're sinners. And you know what? We're, even though we're ethnically Jews, uh, we're sinners and, and we're not from the nations. So we're sinners, not from the nations. We have our own sin issues going on. Mm. Knowing, and this begins to make sense of verse 16, because 16 then would be a post-nuclear uh, circumstantial participle, idotes, idotes, knowing. So a participle is an ing word in English and in Greek. Uh, they have many different uses. In the present and this tense. one is just kind of hanging elaborate hanging on to that last statement elaborating it so we are sinners so let's take that if as a premise that the second sentence is we are sinners knowing that a person is not justified from works of the law mm. but only through the faithfulness or faith in jesus christ Interesting. <laughs> we are Judean sinners. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you do with the keuk exethnon then? We are. Well, Ju- yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So the keuk exethnon, the ke would be signaling a compound sentence with the same subject, and then you would just have a fronting of not from the nations, with a little bit of stress there. And we are, we are not by nature Jews and not from the nations. We are sinners. Okay. I like that. That's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and a student, when he, he was in a Greek reading group and we were reading through Galatians many years ago and he, he was explaining this reading and I was just like compelled. Yeah. yeah it's very compelling. Yeah. 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 I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Knowing that no one is justified by works of the law. So what do we mean? That's a churchy word, justified. What does that mean? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, Omicron, Omega. Yeah, it's a contract verb. And it's a causative uh, Omicron contract verbs tend to be causative. So to make right, declare right. So that's, I think that's significant too, right? So they tend to be causative, almost like a pifpel in Hebrew. So um, to sow justice, do justice, but to rectify, that is to be vindicated. To be vindicated would be to have a favorable verdict in your in your place. To be rectified would be to be made right, which may include an idea of of like living differently, mm. like it like truly substantially differently. So we're not declared righteous by works of the law, except only through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not justified. We're not made right with God. So the law, you know, as Paul's going to explain, was a pedagogical device to instruct us. And that's really what Torah means is instruction. 
This has come up again and again in our biblical studies seminar. You know, Dr. You know, Bill Arnold has been presenting on this and, and others that the law is instruction. And so inside the law code itself, there were provisions made for sins. In fact, the beginning book of Leviticus, the first six, seven chapters explain the five different types of offerings. Mm. So uh, one is a sin offering. So there's this built-in understanding that, that the people, as people of God were unholy and we have to, we have to be made right uh, with God and that God provides sacrifices for us to do that. So then, you know, that raises the question, what are, what are works of the law, which is like a huge thing. Is this like, yeah, this is a very loaded, uh, this first half of a verse right here. Yeah. Yeah. So from works of the law, I tend to be, uh, I'm a mixed new perspective on Paul. So there's, uh, if those of you who may not know, a newer perspective on Paul, uh, the, the traditional view was that the works of the law meant like doing the minutia of every single bit of the law. But the new perspective has said, no, the, the minutia of the law is not really in view here. What's in view here are the cultural identity markers, such mm. as circumcision, food, law of eating certain foods, and Sabbath observances, these kind of social uh, distinct, distinctive uh, markers. So Paul is not just bad-mouthing Jewish religion per se, but the use of Jewish religion to just focus on these social boundary markers and uh, so that's kind of the new perspective, part of the new perspective's understanding of that. And I tend to think of it, in, I think both are right. I think this phrase is a, is a social construct. The works of the law is referring to social things. But I also see that Paul points to a bankruptcy of, of the religion of, of Judaism, that, that Judaism did not uh, perfect us, did not sanctify us, did not make us holy and pure. And so we have to look to another source for that. And that source is the spirit of Christ, Christ who comes to, to, to be the end and fulfillment of the law. Yeah. So a lot of people would charge you with the supersessionism. Guilty. Uh, yeah. Fine. Guilty. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. We're not under the yeah. old covenant. We're under the new covenant. And I don't know how, you know, how we, how we uh, talk, how Paul can talk about new and old without there being some understanding that the new is fulfilling yeah. and bringing it to what God was intend, in, intending. You know, he doesn't want yeah. to stay with the sacrificial system. I, I agree. That's, that's not supersessionism. I, I would, that's exactly what I'd say. I wouldn't even call it that. I mean, people may, people would charge you with that and then maybe even call you an anti-Semite and blah, 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 blah. Um, leads to stupid things like that. But I think, yeah, yeah I, I've like described it um, as a sort of word. I don't know if I made it up or whatever, but the, the word I sort of use to describe myself is a culminationist. Mm. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. what I am. I'm a culminationist that, the, the old covenant reaches its culmination in Christ and his church. Yeah. Right. Um, this was God's plan all along or is this plan B? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess 
where does where does plan a start then um i think god's i think it was i think it ends up uh plan a reaching its culmination even if it's the culmination is in part of plan b if that makes any sense um what we're referring to is a view that the rejection of jesus by his contemporaneous jewish kinsfolk led to an alternative plan plan b which is the church and i don't subscribe to that this is yeah, a doctrine in, dispens- in dispensational theology yes uh, i definitely and, don't subscribe to that yeah so as a culminationist i really like that you're you're saying this this the one leads to the other like that was the intention all along and yeah there's no like oh i gotta try something new because the first plan didn't work no this yeah. is what i was heading all along and and then he uses you mentioned earlier we'll, we'll discuss this then maybe take a break the pistis christu debate because here we have this prepositional phrase the apisteos jesu christu um but the the there's tons of ink been spilled on this word pistis right here pisteos as the form we see in the text but so it's usually translated as faith or faithfulness so say say a quick word about the pistis christu here again Oh, well, for one, let's just start with the meaning of pistis. Pistis, uh, that which evokes trust and faith. It can, that's, that's the first definition. And underneath that is, is explained faithfulness, reliability, fidelity, and commitment. So that's listed as the first definition. It can be also an assurance, oath, proof, pledge. So proof in terms of an argument. So, you know, we tend to think of it as belief, but belief hasn't even been mentioned yet in our lexicon. So the idea really has to do with like um, faithfulness. And so it can mean your know, second definition, if you go way down is trust or confidence in faith. And I, I do like the idea of trust more than faith. Faith is like ungrounded, like leap, like a blind leap. And I know sometimes maybe we need to do that. We, certainly we can't see everything that's happening, but it seems like, uh, so the issue then is, is, is this idea here, faithfulness, which would suggest like obedience and like fidelity, loyalty, is that what's being said here? And then the genitive, Jesus Christ, would be the, the one who is showing that fidelity, that faithfulness. So is that what's meant here? Or is it faith or trust? And then the, the genitive modifier of Jesus Christ would be the object of our faith, which would be called an objective genitive use, faith in or believing in Jesus Christ, trusting Jesus Christ. Um, it's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. Yeah, huge difference. So one is a subjective genitive, faithfulness of Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus is the subject of the verbal idea of faith or trusting or believing or faithfulness versus the object of it. Now I'm I'm seeing something here that I think would tilt me to suggest this is subjective, and I don't know if anyone's made this argument. So someone probably published this before I get it out. But if I ever get it out, but notice that it's dia with the genitive, and I think dia with the genitive suggests intermediate agency, mm. intermediate. So a person is justified through. The faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Now, 
what when I think intermediate, what I mean would what that would suggest, if I'm correct, that Diaz suggests an intermediate, what, what that means is that there's a primary agency that would save. Jesus is only the faithless of Jesus is only the intermediate step. Hmm. There's another agency involved, and someone could say, Well, yeah, that's obviously God. Yeah. Or you could say, No, it's it's my um my my belief which comes in the very next breath <laughs> yeah in the, in the verse it comes in their very next breath so jesus makes it all possible it doesn't make it that it's going to happen because we have a responsibility to respond in faith ourselves and faithfulness ourselves in fact our our faith and faithfulness ourse- ourselves is modeled after the faithfulness of jesus Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll come back and, and look at this next aspect uh, in 16B. So let's hear from our sponsor. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glosa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit glosahouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glosa House, language resources for the global community. Welcome back. We're in the middle of verse 16 of chapter of Galatians. And if you don't have your Greek Bibles open, you should, but you can also probably follow along. We'll try to translate words and ideas as we talk about them. We're looking at the pistis Christu issue, the faith of Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, or faithfulness of Jesus Christ. We're looking at that in in 16a. And uh, so thus far, uh, it seems like verse 16 is justifying Paul's statement to Peter that we're Jews and sinners not from the nations. We have our own issues with sin. We're sinners. We can legitimately say that. We know that. Knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but only, except only through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to pick it up. And so verse 16 is long. Yeah. And uh, so, Michael, why don't you read the second part of verse 16 and then we'll translate and keep talking about this. Yeah. Okay. So, so verse 16 is, is tricky. Now I was taking that as a post nuclear circumstantial participle, meaning, knowing that uh, there is another possibility, which is probably even, well, I don't know. Um, it's, it's the grammar here is really tough because it could also be a pre-nuclear place participle. So one way to take it is that 16 is pointing forward, 16a. Uh, moreover, notice that the moreover, that the de, which you know, I normally start off by looking at conjunctions, that there's a de there as the second word in verse 16. But it is highly suspect. Uh, the, 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 there's a textual variance there. The textual addition I'm looking at puts it 
uh, in brackets. It's missing actually the de, which would mark, you know, moreover, like a new point being made. It's missing in P46, Papyrus 46, Codex Alexandrinus, and a few others. Uh, it, is, it does have good support, though, by Sinaiticus and Vaticanus and Ephremi. But it's interesting that they put it in brackets, so they're not real confident. So if it's not there, then it feels like it might be explaining why we're sinners, because we know something, that we're justified, no one is justified, except by Jesus Christ. If that's the case, then this ke in 16b would be a normal uh, conjunctive ke, coordinating. And, like, in other words, it's its own clause. And we know, and we believed in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there's different options here. Otherwise, the ke has to be understood as also or even. Even we believed in Jesus Christ. So let's let's take it uh, with it the the knowing going with sixteen b. So I translate it. Moreover, since we know that no one is justified from works of the law except through faith in Jesus Christ, we also trusted in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. Why not try to be consistent with the peace roots here, whether we're talking about the noun or the, the verb form. Uh, I, I like the move by, um, by, by uh, Scott McKnight and uh, Matthew Bates that they, they've kind of done recently where they're talking about peace uh, really meaning allegiance. And so they're kind of consistently translating it uh, this way. Right, except through the allegiance of Jesus, the anointed one, and we ourselves uh, placed allegiance in Jesus, the anointed one. And then we have allegiance again one more time in the verse. I kind of like that move that they've made. Yeah. Now, through the allegiance of Jesus Christ, that it doesn't, that makes it seem, um, like it's they're they're making a decision that that's an objective genitive we're for sure lied with we're yeah. lied with jesus christ yeah yeah uh well th- through the like allegiance the, the, through the allegiance of christ to his his father right and then we place our allegiance in christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i do like the idea of allegiance it, it captures something of like national devotion or political devotion yeah exactly this term has a lot to do with (laughs) placing our trust in a a political leader a messiah a king yeah Yeah, i mean it's very it's very different to translate pistis or pistevo as you know having to do with belief versus allegiance those are two very very different things Mm -hmm. is it our belief in jesus that that justifies us Mm -hmm. Um, or is it our allegiance, swearing and pledging our allegiance to him? Yeah. That, that seems like it takes on way more of a, um, 
I don't know. It, it expects way more of us. Yeah. <laughs> it expects way more for us of us. Do you think it would lead to works righteousness? In other words, you know, how is how do we demonstrate our allegiance? We do so through our works. Yeah, I think our confession, um, yeah. how we live, what we mm-hmm. do, I think it's more fully rounded than than just so I, I don't see it leading to a works righteousness, but I think it's much more fully rounded. Yeah. 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 So the goal of this belief or this allegiance, rather, this allegiance, this radical commitment and trust in and an allegiance to Jesus Christ, that there's a purpose to that. And here we come to a, an Enoch clause in order that we would be justified by the faithfulness of Jesus and not from works of the law, because from works of the law, every flesh is not, will not be justified. Yeah, from works of the law, all flesh will not be justified. Yeah, so this is a very intentional, repetitious mm-hmm. statement that Paul is making to Peter. He is hammering home justification faithfulness or allegiance to jesus christ he's hammering it. in fact it's chiastic uh it begins with just like justification denying justification ooh with ooh and it begins with that ooh decay un ute. so one's present tense and then the, the last one is a future tense and it, it ends with a very emphatic every flesh in fact it's so hard it's very hard to, to translate I mean, the Greek text literally says, uh, because from works of the law, Hmm. all flesh will not be justified. All flesh will not be justified. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And then in the middle, the hinge point in the very middle, we also believed in Jesus Christ. Or pledged our allegiance yeah pledge our allegiance so there's like seven elements the outer one is justified the next one is from works of the law and then the next one is through faithfulness or allegiance of jesus christ that's on so all each of those are are, are matching their corresponding elements yeah. so a b c and then c b a the d is we ourselves believed or, or aligned, pledged allegiance to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. When you when you pledge your allegiance in in school, for example, <laughs> we used to all do that. Um, you're, you're you still don't you don't, Michael? <laughs> no, um, I do not pledge my allegiance uh, to any anyone except Christ any longer. And I've told mm-hmm. my kids that if you don't want to say the pledge at school as a Christian, I'm not gonna make you do that. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's up to you, but um, yeah. it doesn't mean I'm anti-America or anything. It just means uh, this is not where I pl- place my allegiance. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I think when you're doing that, you are, you are saying something about your, you know, your cognitive state, your beliefs, but you're also professing a sort of uh commitment and devotion right and that when it comes down to it uh it is this country that you're that you know you are committed to and i think the same thing is happening here um 
in a sense with Jesus, when you you're pledging your allegiance to him, he's you're, you're suggesting that he's your king. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a way of also committing to his kingdom, his reign. And I, yeah. So I think, I think that cognitive sense of belief is involved, but like I said earlier, I think it's way more well-rounded than just belief. It also has to do with existence and walk and actions yeah 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 i like that i like that a lot well uh i think we've 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 covered a lot there's a lot here uh there's a lot of clauses like we could break this down into types of clauses you have content clauses with ot you've got uh some concessive clauses or or uh exception clauses except by we have purpose clauses um and then we have at the end another ot clause which i would translate as because Mm. or since so a lot of intense uh conjunctions to be studied here to help convey the semantics and again i I do think there is a a real tight uh a chiastic structure which really then centers on the main point we pledge allegiance to jesus christ peter <laughs> so what are you doing uh giving face to these people uh showing partiality to another worldview agenda when we are dedicated to jesus christ so right yeah, yeah. do you have a parting shot for us michael um, yeah i was gonna say I, I just i think it's interesting that they're in the midst of this very real situation and it's almost as if Paul breaks into a theology class or lesson. <laughs> um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of fascinating how he does that here, but yeah, I have a, I have okay. a quote. This is um, from uh, Frederick, Frederick Buechner. A lot of people call him Frederick Buechner, but I think the correct pronunciation is Buechner. And um, I really like Frederick Buechner. If you never read his stuff, oh, it's so good. So good. Um, but he's got this, one quote, and he says, to remember the past is to see that we are here today by grace, that we have survived as a gift. That's it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Thank you. Well, we appreciate listening to us. And if you have any comments or suggestions or anything, questions, uh, please let us know. So we hope to have you listen to us next time. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, thank you, Fred. Allah.